Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Adjacent. You're listening to the Sports Adjacent. Okay, I like that. I just learned something new today. Adjacent. With Jason Leisure and Russell Dorsey on the House of L Network. We're doing everything I dreamed of as an adjacent. I'm, I'm glad you wore that shirt, though, Cam. Because yeah. Is we that were... a custom design? Did you have somebody make you a Wolfpack shirt? Did you make I did have it's someone It's spelled make... like your name is, so this has I'm... to be custom, right? I did have someone make me the shirt that someone is my wife. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it looks good. I like it. Yeah, because the big reason is like I was talking. I was talking to Jason. I was like, "Is there any cooler last name? There's like maybe five or six that's cooler than Wolf." Yeah, like you, when you enter a room or when you put in a resume, I I gotta talk to this guy, right? Oh yeah, yeah. like his oh, last yeah. name is Wolf. I have to put him in front of the line because mm-hmm. of that last name. Absolutely, I and, and I'm proud of the last name, as you can see. I wear it on me, and I, I, I brand it, and all types of stuff. But yeah, I, I think it just has a certain um, element to it. You know, like I've been trying to convince my wife for a while to have like a a almost life size wolf that sits in the front Jeez. of our home as like our our emblem. It has not worked, but you know we'll keep pushing. I'm sure they make that. <laughs> my my eight year old daughter has this like I, I don't want to say life size, but close. Yeah. Like stuffed animal tiger. Really? That she keeps in her bed. I'm like, I don't even know how you have this in your bed all the time because it takes up so much room. Yeah. But that thing looks if you if you were like if you broke into our house and it was the night and so it wasn't really well lit and you saw that thing, you'd you'd jump for a second. Right. You'd realize very quickly it's a stuffed tiger and you'd continue with robbing the house. But like you'd be for a second, you'd be like, whoa. Right. Yeah. These people have a tiger. Yeah. No, that's dope. That's dope. Uh, I'm gonna need that story for my wife so I can get this wool. Yeah, yeah, it's um, protection. So, right. No, nah, but I, I've really—it's interesting you mentioned this. I've really grown to love my last name, but I did not love it growing up for really? multiple reasons. One, because I was one of the last kids called in school, which always sucked. You know, oh yeah, alphabetical. Like, yeah, alphabetical. Always mm. last. It, it's never fun. Same. Also. People used to always, I, I didn't embrace the animal part of it. I always felt like people were kind of mocking it or, you know, people would put the wolf and don't put the E and it would bother me. And so oh, yeah. I never really like fully embraced it uh, until I was an adult. And then I realized how cool it was, how unique it was. You know, you could have any last, you could have Smith or William, something everybody has. But wolf is, it, it makes you stand out. You know, they hear, you hear yeah. Mr. Wolf and you know who they're talking yeah. about. Yeah. You know, so. I mean, shout out, shout out to your ancestors for selecting that. Like, yeah. I, always, I always say that when I see a weird last name, I'm like, somebody chose that. Because at some point, everybody's <laughs> family had to choose right. a name. That's true. So when I look at White Sox player Danny Mendick, somebody mm-hmm. chose that. As a last name, sometimes right. it might like, be. Sometimes it might be though. It might be the you know whoever's working at Ellis Island changed your name from exactly. what it originally was in your in your home language to 
something like that. <laughs> That's a yep. jerk move. Yeah, that might not be up to you, and you might not really know what they're changing it to. Yeah. And by by the way, Tone, slang changes over two hundred years. It's not like what's slang now might not have been slang back I then. Feel, I, feel, I feel like I feel like. Mendick was pretty straightforward. Like I feel like that's been a, 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 over the course of history, that has been a, a bit of a That's a that's a good place to start. Yes. Welcome yes. to Sports Adjacent. I'm your host, Jason Leisure. Russ Dorsey is out, but I have found another one of my cool friends to fill in. Uh, please welcome Cameron Wolf from NFL Network. What's going on? I'm definitely inputting a wolf sound effect. Oh yeah. Like I'll a how? Do, yeah, I'll I'll how? how? Yeah, I usually so, do just applause, but definitely you get the applause. Can you do one tone? Can you do? Can you just like? Uh, I mean, I'm not jukebox here, Jason. Oh, What's okay. Jeez, excuse <laughs> me. Sorry. All right. I will say hey, I've been trying hey, to black, teach, make an animal noise. I will say I've been trying to teach my daughter <laughs> how to come on tone. You know. <laughs> Why do you have to take it there? Why do you have to do that? With me of all people, come on, man. <laughs> Uh, that, 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 gig, that giggling you hear on the mic is our producer tony gill as always just uh we're trying to we're trying to start the show and he's ruining it but um thanks on, we no, no we come in let's go fire off the takes okay all right all right <laughs> let's do it we're gonna get into a lot of things with with uh with our buddy cam wolf um and Cl- uh, we, we love the name like i i think if you had a name that is an animal name, as long as it's like a cool animal, like like if your name last name was Hawk or something, that's cool. Yeah. But I yeah. wouldn't want to be like Jason Kittens. That, yeah, that, that probably that, doesn't sound as good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in a different career, you know, it might, it might, it, it might work. work. But okay, yeah, there's you know. some of them that just don't don't fit. Like Tony, Squirrel, Squirrel wouldn't be a great Tony right. Squirrel name. Like OnlyFans, Jason Kittens. That that gives you that. Gives you, <laughs> Jason Nighthawk. Uh, Sports Adjacent is brought to you by Sheets and Giggles. You can go to sheetsgiggles.com slash SA and you'll get $230 off their new mattress. No promo code needed. It's applied. The discount is applied automatically at checkout. Um, it's designed for perfect firmness and comfort. It's sustainable. You're going to love this mattress. So comfortable. Tone, you love it, don't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. Perfect. I love that mattress. Perfect. <laughs> that's a great that's all you need to know right there uh, go to sheetsgiggles.com slash sa sports adjacent is also brought to you by BetMGM. you can download the BetMGM app or go to betmgm.com use our promo code adjacent 200 and uh, if you bet ten dollars on any nfl game you'll win an extra 200 in future bets if either team scores a touchdown use promo code adjacent 200 BetMGM, the king of sports books Cam, so uh, you told me that we are we're recording this on Wednesday night. That's usually what we do. Uh, we have other jobs, Russ and Tony and I. Um, so this is the time we have to do this. This episode will come out Friday morning. Tony, what date is Friday morning? Is that the 18th? Yes. Yes. 18th, the Camel yep. episode comes out uh, Friday the 18th. But Cam, you said you were like giving us a little bit of trouble about this, and you are on East Coast time. Cam Wolf is coming to us from his home in Miami tonight. Uh, yes. So we're recording this. I'd say right now we're at about 9 p.m. Eastern time. Absolutely. And you, and you were were you joking or no that this is like going to be an issue for you with with bedtime and with only winding only, down and like only half joking. Just, only okay. half joking. <laughs> no, I usually go to bed like 10, 10, 30. Sometimes I'll stay up to 11. You're um, you're a young man. Cameron. I know. And I'm a young. Are you man even 30 years old? Age only. 
in age only. Okay. I feel <laughs> my that. lifestyle is 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 uh very much old man like. I have a wife. That's true. You are very married. Um, you are very uh, you are in my stage of life uh, exactly at home. Yes. Even yes. though you're so, like 10 years younger than me. My daughter just went down probably about 20 minutes ago. My wife put her down. And usually that's around time when I start winding down because, uh, you know, it just depends. You know, if there's a football game on, I try to make it. Don't always make it, but I try to make it. <laughs> this, guy, like, this guy's job is to cover the NFL for a TV station, for a TV network. And you can't yeah. stay up for like Sunday night, Monday night, Thursday night football? It depends on the game. It, 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 you know, if we, if we've got the Denver Broncos and Indianapolis Colts, mm-hmm. guess what? I am not going to make it. Mm-mm. I'm not going to make it. You Cameron know? Wolf, did you or did you not make it to the end of Bears Commanders, a 12-7 game last month? I couldn't tell you who won. <laughs> <laughs> Either could I. <laughs> yeah, man. The NFL has been kind of whack. Well, it's hard on East Coast time, too, by it the is. way. Like, hey, I, I'll defend Cam on that as someone that has lived in the East and Central time zone. It is way, way easier. Every sport. Tone, you have no idea, man. Imagine if everything started an hour later. Oh. That'd be that'd uh, be hard. That'd it be is. Hard, I, I so so West Coast time is, is 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 crazy. Like just having football games at early. But I do yeah. think that Central Time or even Mountain Time, I lived in Denver for two years. And mountain time or central time are the best time zones by far um, because you can make it to the end. And I'm a big boxing fan. And the biggest thing that frustrates me is all boxing fights start at like midnight. And so, like, I've got to, like, really be amped up. Like, I, I, I know times where I will talk all day about the boxing fight and I'll fall asleep before the main event. Even <laughs> and same for UFC, you know. I've woken up sometimes in the middle of the main event like, oh, wow, timing worked out. so yeah central time's a blessing mountain time might even be slightly better because you know 11 o'clock starts for games on sunday you can wake up you know it's not super early but you're still there and then all your late night you're 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 in by 10 or 11 so um eastern time zone is not a time zone for sports watchers oh man or for sports writers it's a nightmare like when you are writing for an eastern time zone publication when you cover the NFL, all the games start at the same time, no matter what. Right. So no matter where the game is, the game is going to start at 8.20 Eastern either way. But when you cover the NBA, it changes based on location. So yep. any when I covered the Heat, anytime you go even one time zone over, you come to Milwaukee or Denver or something like that, you are up a creek on deadline, man. Like you, <laughs> you're, you're, It's not going to go well. It's not going to go well. You're, you mentioned your daughter, Layla. Layla is two, I think. She is two, yes. Okay. I have daughters too, and out of the group of people that cover the Bears, and I would say even back to when I uh, lived in Miami and was covering the Dolphins, this would have been true of that media room too. I'm the only one in that media room whose kids don't think that their dad has the coolest job ever. <laughs> My kids just don't care. They don't understand football. Right. Uh, all they really know of football is the Bears and the Dolphins, which during their lifetime has not been good. During my lifetime, has that's been unfortunate. Good. Uh, does Does Layla have any idea what you do for a job? Does she Does she like it? Does she Does she brag to other people about what her dad, the famous Cam Wolf, does? No, not at all. Not at okay. all. Um, she. The biggest thing that I know that she knows about me and my job is she notices me on TV 
and she gets really excited, which is exciting for me. And my wife has caught it on video a couple times and I love it. But like you see her jump up and down and she'll point and she'll look back at my wife and smile. And it's like, there's my daddy. You know, that's the sort of I don't think she has any comprehension of what I'm talking about, why I'm in the TV screen. That sort it has not clicked in that point. She just knows that there's my daddy. And it's even cooler for her if we're watching me on TV with me sitting there then she'll she'll just look back and forth between me and the TV screen and just point. <laughs> and so that that's probably the most I get out of her that's gotta understanding feel my job. And it's dope. Like I said, it, yeah. it, it's dope. I see, you know, I see her. Sometimes she'll, she'll speak and say dada uh, to the TV screen. So those are the elements. But no, she's not going to daycare and, and, and telling, telling them about what dad did and what game I covered the day before. <laughs> Does your wife... Uh, have does your wife think your job is cool my wife like a lot of times doesn't even know where i am especially when i covered other sports when i covered hockey or i covered basketball she would just be like jason's out of town and say oh where and she would not, <laughs> she would not know right i think my wife knows where i'm out of town um but i don't know that she grasped the full uh the fullness of what i'm talking about on a day-to-day basis like when we first started with nfl network she used to watch my tv hits uh, mm-hmm. almost every day and she'd give me feedback and thoughts now i don't remember the last time she's watched a tv hit it's probably <laughs> been months she's like you're on all the time it is what it is i'm like yeah i asked her hey what do you think about the hit oh it was good you didn't watch did you no not a chance <laughs> um and so i i think she does respect the job i think she likes it but i think on the grand scheme of things she thinks that it's uh the talking about football is just talking about football. It's a way to provide for the family, not necessarily yeah. something that she. Yeah, uh, she likes it every other Friday, it. I bet. Exactly. That is it. <laughs> that is it. <laughs> All right, I want to talk about. Uh, I want to talk about the Black Panther movie. I want to talk a little bit about Kevin Durant. I want to talk about Elon Musk ruining Twitter. But uh, I want people to. Get to know Cam Wolf a little bit better before we proceed, because Cam, you're very well known, but you might not be as known to our audience. Uh, this being yeah. your first time on the show, um, we're in Chicago. We're a Chicago-based show. We don't necessarily yes. intend to be a Chicago-centric show, but that is where uh, where Tony and Russ and I all live, and absolutely um, where people would know us for the most part. But uh, Cam, you're from Mississippi originally, is that right? That's correct. You went to you went to University of Houston. I see yes. your uh, helmet and your pendant in the background. Yep. Do you have uh, like classic Southern phrases that you still use? <laughs> I use especially y'all. when you're especially when you're angry. I would imagine. Like my wife is from Louisiana. She's from rural Louisiana, and the the Louisiana comes out when she's angry usually. That's a, that's a good point. So I've lived so many different places. I'm sure I've lost a lot of the Southern elements. One thing I have to be careful with is my language, particularly on TV. Um, not like cursing language, but like um, a lot of the Southern phrases, we blend our words together. So I used to be this fast talking dude. Um, I'll take you back. I grew up deep in Mississippi in like deep country, like to the point where uh, our street name was our family's last name. Um, wow. We would walk outside in bare feet almost all the time. In the You've never sounded like that at all to me. And, and the, I used the to, entire like three exactly. or four years I've known you. I've, you it's completely I've, different, I've, right? Probably even more than that by now. But you've never sounded like that ever. 
You've my, never given off that, like, I'm from the middle of nowhere. Exactly. Mississippi exactly. So, so I've evolved, you know, most people, people would say I would changed. Um, but what's so interesting, like my favorite show as a kid was Walker, Texas Ranger. I used to wear <laughs> hats and every, I was like the country, oh, awesome. the country is black kid. You can imagine. Um, I had the heaviest Southern accent and then I left uh, Mississippi and the South around eight. And I moved to like South Jersey, Philadelphia area. And mm-hmm. that's a complete contrast. There's this heavy, you know, Northeastern slang and it mixed together and it, and it, and it wiped out my Southern slang um, as a whole. But when I get excited, sometimes I speak really fast. And that's when the Southern is maybe it's not a phrase, but the speed of it. And so I blend all my words together. Um, I always get on my grandma. She's from Mississippi. She can't say street. She says Crete scroller there's no mm-hmm. st r it's all sc sc everything's sc mm-hmm. and so that mm-hmm. comes to me sometimes when i'm speaking really fast so i have to be careful um on that on that type of stuff um but i think mostly it comes in my food um the type of foods i eat i i realize more and more as i get older aren't necessarily normal um and in most areas like you know i grew up eating neck bones i grew up you know mm-hmm. eating like red beans and rice is my favorite dish Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I grew up eating a bunch of cat fried catfish. That's, that's my go-to, uh, you know, I would eat, uh, uh, pork chops. That's the go-to there. My grandma I've yet to cook, hear something that's not normal. My co- grandma would cook chitlins, <laughs> which I do not eat anymore, but she would cook chitlins uh, and we would eat chitlins, chitlins, which stuck up the whole house Yeah, couldn't be uh, me. uh, for, for a long, long time. Um, pig feet, pig feet was another one. Mm-hmm. Um, that was another one that we would eat a lot in fact i think last time i went home my grandma asked me if i i wanted some pig feet and i'm like grandma we we we, we've moved past pig feet you know (laughs) (laughs) um but she has not she she thinks i'm too good i'm like hey grandma we can go to the restaurant and get get some real meat there but all these things is uh things that i kind of grew up on and i still have an affinity to kind of when i when i see it so that's probably the biggest thing uh for me there's some of the, some Southern food. I think the countryest thing I have ever had when I've been with my in-laws was fried rabbit. Yeah. Did I've you, had I'm rabbit sure. too. That doesn't sound nearly as, as out there as uh pig's feet to me. Actually <laughs> rabbit seems way out there. Really? Yeah. yeah. I was like, I've had rabbit, rabbit, rabbit's pretty solid. It's especially when it's breaded and fried. It's, it is in the neighborhood of fried chicken, I guess. Right. Um, but probably anything is if it's breaded and fried. Um, there were some Southern foods because I grew up up here and then moved to New Orleans. And not that New Orleans itself is necessarily a place of classic Southern food. There's a little, there's some of that, but more like through being in rural parts of Louisiana, I, there were all these things I found that I didn't even, I didn't, I, when I was growing up, I didn't know what collard greens were. Oh, yeah. I didn't know what okra was. There's no greens. way I would have known what okra was. <laughs> Ooh, if you, okra, if you had shown me a piece of... <laughs> I love okra now. I love both of those things now. Crawfish. I love that now. Like those were all things I had. I had never seen. I don't, if I was a kid and you had held up a piece of okra and asked me what this is, I, I don't think I would have. (laughs) And now it's like one of my favorite things. It's really good grilled. Actually. I know that normally it's made bread and fried, but it's actually really good grilled too with like some olive oil and lemon and salt and pepper, stuff like that. But, but you, but briefly you mentioned Chicago. I do have Chicago background because my dad's from Chicago. And he's a big Bears fan. I think I told you this when you took the job. And so um, he he asked me today um, how the Bears and Falcons game would go. 
<laughs> and I told him I think the Falcons were going in, going to win. And he was very disappointed. He was very disappointed in me, like a like a hurt like a hurt father. And I'm like, <laughs> do you want me to be honest with you? Or yeah, <laughs> he, 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 he sounds like one of these Bear fans that I continue to get tweets and emails from when they they don't like hearing that it's not going well. Right. I told him I think, I think you would just want to know the truth. I would think you just want to know what's going on. That's what I would want. <laughs> right. No, what they want is for you to tell them everything's fine. Right. You know? I did tell him I think that Justin Fields is going to go off again, and then he was okay. He's like, "All right, that's fine. We yeah, can lose as long as Justin Fields goes off yeah. again." Um, so yeah, no, I spent a lot of summers up in Chicago, and so I'm a, I'm a big fan. You know, I got to get my Harold's chicken every time I'm in there. You got to get mm-hmm. the mild mm-hmm. sauce all over. You know, I got to mm-hmm. get me a Portillo sausage uh, sandwich down there. You Jason, know, um, did I did I introduce you to Harold's chicken? No. Uh, no, no, no. I've uh, I've my dad. Like I said, my dad's from Chicago. No, no, I'm I at had, Jason. Oh, no, no, she's he's asking me, uh, had I ever been there before I went with you? Mm-hmm. I'm going to say no. I, I had only lived here. I've only lived here as an adult for three or four years now. And I live way out in the suburbs. I don't think I don't think I had ever gone when I was a kid. But you are you are a Hills fan now, right? It was good. Yeah. Yeah. Good. You did them yeah. right. You did. I, them right. I, mm-hmm. There's how many of those are there in the city? Tone, do you think? Is there like it's a, a lot. dozen? It's a lot even? in the city. Like you're never too too far from one if you're in the city. <laughs> no. But the thing the I've always heard that sounds interesting to me about it about Harold's is that uh apparently it there it varies a lot by location. Absolutely. Yeah. Like each I, one, like you got like people have not just Harold's that they like, but they have a particular Harold's that they like. Yeah. 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 I've actually never been to where Harold's is not on the south side. I actually don't know what what the yeah. hills taste like outside. They, of the they get it's it's skimpier and skimpier the further you go north. Oh yeah, uh, and then there's a couple west, but right. uh, west side that's usually another chicken place that I won't name because I don't like them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Harold Harold's is typically a, a south side one, but you'll you'll find one uh, like in a South Loop up north downtown area. Mm-hmm. So that's technically kind of north. You know, right. for a lot of people, right, right, uh, but yeah, 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 that's north. Yeah, if you're getting close to downtown, that's north. But my understanding of your, tell me, correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding of this is that you went from University of Houston to covering the Broncos, yes, and you eventually went to ESPN to cover the Titans, yep. And when the Miami opening came, you switched over to the Dolphins. But at, at some, one of the things I remember, and I don't remember the specifics of this, but I remember you saying at early, early, early in your career. You had the opportunity to take a big job and you turned it down because you felt like you weren't ready yet. And I thought that is an insane thing for me to hear out of the mouth of a young person. Right. Because nobody does that. Absolutely. And it it sounded so smart. Like I immediately was like, this guy really has, uh, he really has patience and confidence and good judgment about his career to be able to, be self-aware enough to think that at the time. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great point. I'm glad you have a great memory, by the way. You have a lot of great qualities, Jason, which is why I attached to you. Uh, Thanks, bud. But your memory is is definitely dope because I almost forgot that uh, conversation that we had. But yeah, no, um, my journey has been it's been rapid, uh, but it's it's also been intentional, and I think that's been something that's helped me be successful. Like you said, I was at University of Houston. I got an internship at the Denver Post, and that ended up being turned into a full-time job literally two days before my internship ended 
Um, I ended up covering the Denver Broncos 2015 season, my first full year there. That's the year they won the Super Bowl with Peyton Manning and Von mm-hmm. Miller and all those guys. And so I thought I would cover a Super Bowl winning team every year and um, hasn't happened since. So I got spoiled from the jump. Um, but yeah, after that first year, I was actually, I started working at the post when I was 22, straight out of college. And when I was 23, that next off season, I had a lot of interest from different companies, mostly probably because the Broncos were on a national scale. Um, I was doing a lot of the video coverage for the Denver post. And so you go to the main website for the main team and you see me and you're like, who is this kid? You know, he kind of sounds like he knows what he's doing halfway and uh, he can write and I'm sure he'll take cheap salary. And so I started getting a lot more company <laughs> calls from companies. And so, um, you know, cleveland.com actually was one of the people who called me. They, they brought me out um, to interview with for the Browns job. They wanted me to work with Mary Kay. They were offering me double my salary. And, um, you know, I, it was a lot of money, like a lot of money from what I was making then I almost went, but I actually did not want to live in Cleveland. I was, you know, I had a really bad perspective of Cleveland and they were awful. They were awful then. And so I'm like, I just covered a Super Bowl winning team. Like we can make this work. And um, eventually I decided to turn them down. But then the harder part is later that off season, um, ESPN came after me. And uh, they called me up and they wanted to send me out to Bristol and talk to them about a few jobs. And ultimately, we talked about me taking the Cincinnati Bengals job uh, for ESPN Nation. And so I would mm-hmm. essentially have been an ESPN reporter at 23. And that's what you're referencing that I was saying that I, I, I sort of told them, hey. Yeah, how do you uh, turn that down at 23, man? Who it, turns so, that down? So I, I think for me, it was it was it was time and place. One. I felt like I was the number three. I w- I didn't feel like I was the number three on the Denver Broncos beat my first year there. So I knew that that one of the reporters was leaving to go to TV. And so I would become number two. And so that gave me an opportunity to do more stories, to be able to uh, be in a very high profile beat before I own my own beat. And also, I probably had this vague feeling that the Broncos were going to be on a dynasty run. And so that I was going to be on this good team for a long time. And so I guess in my, you know, I talked to a lot of my mentors, my, 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 my fiance, or she would later be my fiance. She was my girlfriend at the time. And the thought process was, um, if you're good enough, if you really do it, they will come back. And so what's what's the rush, you know, and you may be more ready at that point. It may be a better opportunity, um, whatever the combination of it might be. And uh, it was hard because ESPN is something that I always dreamed of being at. And so it took probably two or three days for me to kind of come to that that fruition. But I'm glad I did because uh, ended up doing another year there. Got a lot more season, really learned how to cover the ropes of the beat, made mistakes, learned from them. And then a year later, when I finished up, they called me again. Uh, and then they you know, wanted me to cover the Titans and go out to Nashville. And so I took it then. So you've been on, you've been on TV in one form or another in the last five for the last five years. Yeah. Now exclusively TV. Yeah. Right. I mean, yep. basically, um, what are some of the weirdest or most difficult things you have had to ignore to do a hit? Like something that's going on, maybe even in 2020 when you were probably doing some of this from your house. Like what are the, what are some of the like biggest challenges you face trying to concentrate and just do the hit with something else going on around you? Yeah, there's always people in the background trying to get your attention, right? People always think it's funny to be, mm-hmm. you know, like do different faces, do right. this. They're usually the drunk. You know, yeah, that sort of thing. And so those are, to me, that don't, that doesn't bother me because I'm in the time and, and, and place of that. I would say really the most difficult happenings I've had have been technical issues, honestly. Like 
I, I told this story sometimes, um, and this is really inside the industry. So maybe only folks inside the industry would care. But I remember my first solo live hit at ESPN. They they give us, um, and this may be. Hopefully, I'm not telling any state state secrets. I don't work there anymore, so. It's all good if I do. Let it rip, Cam. Come on, man. You're doing <laughs> too many disclaimers. Just so, let's, me, let's hear it. You, if you're in the field, they give you a tripod and an app and a cell phone to film your live hits from. You um, film it yourself. That goes, that, yeah, to film yourself. You don't have a cameraman. Right. Center, not a cameraman. It, you save some money that way. You can have them out there, do, this, do the hit yourself, right? And so one of my first solo hits that I did that myself, um, I was at uh, the facility. I think it was. I think it actually wasn't even the Titans. It was the Dolphins. And so they had a shoot across the street. Um, they wanted to shoot across the street from the Dolphins facility. And the problem was when you shoot over there, the Wi-Fi was really shaky. Oh, and man, so – um, I remember setting up, feeling really good. You know, this was back when I was still kind of getting used to things. So I got there early and I was kind of ready and all this stuff. And 15 minutes before the hit, the control room gets in my ear and it's like, your shots, Wi-Fi isn't good. And I'm like, what do you mean? And they're like, it's not good enough for us to go on air. And I'm like, well, what do you want me to do? Like, there's not a lot of options from where I can go. And they were like, well, you've got seven minutes to find a better shot or we're cutting your live shot. And I had this fear if I screwed up a live shot, they would never let me on TV again. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm going around the Dolphins facility. It's like 90, 95 <laughs> degrees. This is summer. I've got a suit on. I'm already hot. I'm going around a Dolphins facility. I remember climbing through a bush to get to the other side because it was going to be the quicker <laughs> route rather than walking all around. I've got leaves all over me. I'm sweating. I'm putting down a tripod every like 100 feet saying, is this good? Is this good? They're like, no. I'm like getting like frustrated. And, and so I remember getting the tripod down the last time. I'm like, this got to be the last shot. If I don't get it at this spot, they're going to cut me and I'm never going to be on TV again. And it, and it worked. And they're like, hey, there's a two second delay, but we'll take it. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and so I did. It was a 30 second hit on Ryan Tannehill. I still remember. No offense, Ryan, but I did a lot of work for that hit. And um, I finally got out. I'm, I'm wiping all the sweat off. I'm doing all this. I had forgot completely what I wanted to say. And I'm just sitting there and I, I like blabber for 30 seconds. I had no idea what I said. And the first thing I did immediately when I'm done, I call my wife. I'm like, how was that hit? She was like, it was solid. I'm like, babe, you don't know what I just did. Yes, what I, I went through to get to that hit. She was like, I couldn't tell. I'm like, <laughs> I didn't know whether to be happy that the audience couldn't tell or frustrated that they didn't know the struggle I went to to give them 30 seconds of content. <laughs> for this network well the goal is for no one to know for no right. one to be able to tell but i love the visual of of cam wolf running around in a suit or <laughs> just a suit top i assume right yeah just a suit shorts. Top, you know cam wolf running around in a suit top and shorts in 95 degree summer humidity in miami checking yep. the wi-fi crawling through bushes wiping <laughs> just just wrenched in sweat yeah trying it to was just hit on ryan Tannehill. Yep. I do remember I sang one time on TV for an ESPN draft hit and I'll never do it again because every every time it was uh it was they were talking about my singing rather than my my hitting. And I, I, I tried to practice. Well, that's good for TV. Yes. But that's I, I you... tried I tried to practice so hard like at ESPN and hopefully I'm not blabbering too much, but at ESPN, 
we we used to do draft segments. And mm-hmm. so we used to predict uh, who they were going to take in the draft and the pick. And mm-hmm. so this was from home segments. And so I like to have fun with it. I changed my suit three times for this hit because the Dolphins had three draft picks. So I had three different suits. And so for one of the hits, I was projecting them to pay, take uh, Alabama receiver uh, Devontae Smith. They ended up taking Jalen Waddle. I was wrong. Anyway, I, I sung It's a Family Reunion from Wallin' Out with Nick Cannon. And so I was singing that. It's a family reunion. And so I was singing that in the hit. For the, I thought it was cool. I practiced, did all those different things. And I look at my comments for the sex. It's like, who is this dude trying to sing? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm trying to give you guys something fun, some personality. And the only thing you worry about, of course I can't sing. That's why I'm here talking. (laughs) (laughs) Hey guys, Sports Adjacent is brought to you by BetMGM. You can go to BetMGM.com or download the BetMGM app. It's a great app and you can use our offer. Use our promo code Adjacent200 and here's the deal they're going to give you. If you bet $10 on any NFL game, so a game you're going to watch anyway, Put $10 on one of the two teams, and if either team scores a touchdown, you win $200 in free future bets if you use promo code ADJACENT200. BetMGM has all kinds of other stuff on there. You can bet on uh, NFL games, like I said, but college football too, NBA, NHL, player props, parlays, they have it all. Just go to BetMGM.com or download the BetMGM app, and remember to use our promo code ADJACENT200. That'll win you $200 in free future bets when you bet $10 on an NFL game, as long as one of those teams scores a touchdown, that's it. So go to betmgm.com or download the BetMGM app. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. All right, Tone, I don't know how we're going to do this one. We need to we need to give a spoiler alert because we're about to talk about Black Panther Wakanda forever, which is not usually an issue for me. Spoilers mm-hmm. are not usually an issue because I usually don't see anything when it first comes out. I'm usually like even movies I really want to see, Cam, a lot of times like I will I'm content to wait till it comes out on Netflix or Disney Plus yeah. in this case or whatever. Uh, wait this the movie, hype died down, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I got kids like it's not the easiest thing oh, yeah. for my wife and I to get out for a date and go to the movies wouldn't be the highest thing on my list of oh, 100 percent stuff I want to do when we have a night out. But I, I like to go sometimes. Um Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, by the time this episode comes out, will have only been out for a week. So I do feel like we need to do a spoiler alert. So, yes. I mean, Tony, do we just tell people like right now? Well, I mean, I've seen it twice. Skip I've seen it twice. Already. Tony, so, but yes. Okay. Yeah. Not everybody. I feel like a week though. is a reasonable amount of time for to give someone. You do? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's enough time. Especially a big movie like big this. Big movie okay. like this? Yeah. Come on now. Like, you we're not waiting for The whole weekend and the week after. It'll be Friday by the time this is out. So, right. All right. that's a full okay. week. Like, this movie right. came out Thursday of last okay. week. All right. All right. Well, you guys have decided. You guys and you guys are the young people on the show, so you guys would have the best. Uh, I mean, we've done. We said enough at say. this point that if you really want to skip it, you can skip it. But come back. Skip ahead to our Kevin Durant segment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I this movie was. If you think about like what Ryan Coogler had to do to thread the needle on this and make this movie with 
the main character that with the actor Chadwick Boseman who played the main character dying and then having to deal with that between and, and work that into the story from movie one to movie two and still make a Marvel movie, still make this action movie, still make it true to the comics to some extent. I'm not a comic book guy. I don't have a lot of that, but I know that that is always an emphasis when they make these movies, when they write these movies and to then use it as a way to spring that franchise forward to be able to make more Black Panther movies down the road. That's impossible. And, but I feel like he did it. And the biggest thing I thought during this movie when I was watching it, Cam, was this is, a, and it had to be, this is such a completely different movie than the first one. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I wonder what it would be like if you had never seen it, didn't know any of the, uh, you know, real life story, like with Chadwick Boseman dying, and you just watched the first one followed by the second one, it would be such a, um, such a sharp change. I mean, this movie's about grief. That's what yeah. this movie's about. Mm -hmm. This is a movie about grief. Um, I don't know that it's like the most fun movie like the first one was. It's really good. It's really powerful. But it's a sad movie, in my opinion, about dealing with grief. It's a totally different movie. But it was everything that it had to be, I thought. Yeah, I thought that the movie was relatable um, in a lot of different areas. Like, I think... I saw the movie about two days after it initially came out. And so I listened to a bunch of friends and there were some criticisms of like, oh, there's not enough action early on in the movie and this and that. And it's not going to be exactly the same. And so I came in with a little bit subdued expectations and they were wrong. I love the movie. I thought it was better than the first movie. Um, and, mm -hmm. and to mm -hmm. me, it's for, I think you, ha first of all, I think you have to see the first movie before the second movie. Like a lot of times you can, you can see them in different orders. I think for you to truly get the context and the importance of everything, you have to see it one, then two. But I just think about, like you said, what they're going through personally. But then the story was so fluid from the jump. From introducing a new character in Ironheart who had been a part of the comics, introducing her while also intertwining this grief that they're going through. And the the lasting scene I think about, and it, and it may not have been a, a significant scene in the grand scheme of things, was, and we've given our spoiler alert, but um, you know, Angela Bassett, who who plays the mom in this movie, she's yeah. she's essentially um learning news that her daughter has been kidnapped by, you know, Namor and, and his civilization. And so Lupita, who was in charge of taking care of her, is coming back and trying to defend herself and say, hey, you know, let me go get her. And, and you just get so, such a raw emotion where she's like, I just, left, I just lost my son and my daughter at the same token. And she said it in such a poignant way that you just kind of feel the weight of her trying to lead a country, but also dealing with her personal pain. And then also you see Lupita's character dealing with the 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 grief of she just let this, you know, the the woman go. Like she she and so I felt that like at that time, like I'm not a big tear up, I almost teared up in that moment. I'm like, man, like I, I feel like that's my mom. I feel like that's my sister. Hmm. And um you know, I think I think they did a really good job of making sure it didn't feel like a cookie cutter movie where it all came pieced together. There was moments where I thought they were going to fail. And there was also, 
moments where I I felt for the villain in the story, quote unquote. And so yeah. I think all of those things made me feel different emotions um, throughout that I, I didn't feel honestly um, till maybe the very end of the second, the first movie. And so I loved it. I I gave it probably a nine and a half out of ten. And um, yeah, I I liked it a lot better than I liked the first one. To be yeah. to be honest, I thought the first one was kind of you know it was cool. Uh, the first, the first one was a superhero movie, and it had depth. Yeah, it had a lot of depth to it, and it had a lot of cultural importance. Um, but it was, a, it was a superhero movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, and also on top of the fact, I'm not the biggest Michael B. Jordan fan, you know, in general. So take that as you may. But the the second one, okay, all right. <laughs> I was like, that's an interesting one. I'll, yeah, I'll, I feel I'll like heard. we're gonna need to explore that another exactly. time. But I, I don't want to derail you from your your more serious <laughs> point. Um. I felt like they, considering the circumstances and how they wanted to go about it, they made the decision not to replace him. So I love the way the fact that they melded real world, their real world issue of their main character passing Mm -hmm. and infusing that into this Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? Like having real the movie had real world consequences in, in, in a fact, in, in, in a way. And I liked that they didn't, um, because if you replace them, how do you discuss that? How do you, how do you, you, well, you shout them out at the end of the movie, like they, they end up doing right. right. At the end, it was like, Oh, this is for our friend. Yeah. I actually, I listened to an interview where Ryan Coogler, the writer and director talked about this. And he said, like, he's, he said, a they, he had already written the sequel. Mm-hmm. before Chadwick Boseman died. Mm-hmm. And it was going to be a movie where like we really get into the mind of T'Challa and his different like ways of processing the world and relating. Um, but he said everything was on the table. Do we do we recast T'Challa with another actor? Do we incorporate this into the storyline? Do we not eat? Should there be another movie? Right. Do we just, uh, you know, cancel this? which they weren't going to do with, you know, the financial stakes with the first one being a billion dollar movie. But he thought, you know, like, or if they say that there has to be a sequel, like, I don't know if I can do it. I mean, everything was on the table in that regard. Like what what you're saying, Tony. And like you, like you said, they chose to incorporate it into the story and the movie opens with the funeral scene. And I, I remember thinking, watching it, like this is got to be so real for them, for the actors. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like you, I I wonder how much you really have to like go to a particular place in your mind to act in this case, because this probably felt really real to them, like what they actually went through, all of them. Yeah. It, it, they didn't really get a ton of time either. Like, you know, I don't know what's the prerequisite amount of time to grieve someone's loss, but he he died while they were filming the movie. And so... You, you know, early, the early portion of it. And so you have to restart, do things yeah. in this lens and at the same time, grieve it. So like you said, if you're in a funeral for T'Challa, you may feel like you're at the funeral for Chadwick at the same token. And so I think that you mentioned the director, I think he made the right choice in this in every token um, and how to handle it. Um, 
even how to sort of end the movie and how they, you know, they, they placated that and set themselves up for a third Black Panther. Like this is a franchise that means a lot, um, obviously to superhero world, but obviously a lot to the black community. Like this is something we've never had. Um, and so I think it would have been too much to discontinue the series, to end it. You know, I think that to, to continue it in his legacy and use this this uh, this movie essentially as a memory of him um, was the perfect way to transition and honor him, but still keep the legacy of the Black Panther, you know, going going forward. Yeah, I mean, um, it was good, man. It was good. I, it didn't feel like the chat, it, even though they respected him in the ways that they did in the movie, it didn't feel like it was heavy or heavy handed. Yeah, uh, it, it felt very natural it didn't, yeah. it didn't feel forced at all right yeah. it didn't feel forced it felt very natural about how would a family get over a loss of their son their brother their dad their lover right like everybody did reacted it, I mean, it explained everything too you know where was Nikita at the end of that last movie right like it everything they written yeah. and closed a lot of circles to make the movie flow and connect the previous movie and to the rest of the Marvel universe by adding Namor. Um, and again, he did it again, right? Like in the first uh, Black Panther movie, it's like the world was uh, introduced to African culture, yeah. right? In a very beautiful, uh, very cinematic way. And this time adding another culture, right? Meso, uh, American, uh, Spanish, like, taking real world history because that right. did happen. The Spanish conquistadors did come over there and do this, did the same thing, enslaved the people there. And then turning that into uh, a move uh, in a movie where it made sense, where you can follow the storyline. Again, it's a, we're giving up a lot of belief in a superhero movie, but yeah. you, you felt like, okay, okay. I can see this happening. Like, I always and also I, I also judge a movie by how do I feel about the villain and Cam you made a good point where you understand where Namor is coming from yeah in that aspect um, all he wants to do is protect his people like the Wakandans right right so right. what's make them so different and I think that's you know again spoiler alert you don't have to keep saying Shiri, spoiler alert that's what Shiri <laughs> that's what Shiri realizes at the end before she takes Namor's life was we are the same. We're, we want the same thing. Right. And to get to that point through her grief, through her anger, and then coming to a, a, a result, I thought it was very, very well written and uh, well acted. Well, that's clear. Briefly, that's clear. Though. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Kim. Yeah, no, no. Just briefly. I think that was a great point, uh, Tony. I, I think one of the one of the scenes that I really appreciated after I saw the movie was one of the early scenes where you, you mentioned just sort of how it ended with the, the name where eventually Alliance there. But uh, I remember that first scene where you, you see them in sort of this political room and, you know, essentially the outside world, us, the U S and France mm -hmm. and all these other people were trying to take advantage of their vibranium. Mm -hmm. And so you see a country that is wounded, that is grieving that is uh, that is a, a, a target, and these other countries were trying to attack. They're trying to capitalize on it, and to me, that felt real. Like I, mm -hmm. I was like, "Hey, if Wakanda was going through this in the U.S., just being frank, I, I think we would try to take advantage of it. I think mm -hmm. we, we were not going to be like, oh well, 
you know, they lost to Chala. Let's give them. No, we want the vibranium. We're going to go get the vibranium. And so to me, that made it feel really real. And then their response throughout just showed the strength. And so I, I really appreciated that five or 10 minute scene there because I think it, it made it feel less of a, um, a fantasy, a creation and more of a, you know, I'm there and I yeah, understand. It, it held up a mirror to our yeah. real world. Yeah. Like, and, and, and you notice they didn't directly talk about the United States really just by word, but like it held up a mirror. It was like, look, if, if this was happening in real life, yep, absolutely. The rest of the, uh, 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 white owned countries, if I can yep. be frank, would yep. be trying to take advantage. Right. <laughs> right. That's, and that's why it makes it more, uh, when you look at the uh, the villain of of this series, Nate Moore, you're like, does he have a point? Like, well, Killmonger, does yeah. he have a point? Right, because right? it's like if, if this was happening, if we and we're supposed to feel bad for the Americans, right? Yeah, because well, no, Nate Moore, you can't you can't wipe <laughs> you can't wipe everybody off. But he's like, they did it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's interesting. Just it's interesting how the last few superheroes have all kind of had a similar theme i mean super villains have all had a similar theme but been different when you look you know even to the extent where you look at uh thanos you know from thanos and then you go on and like you said killmonger and and, and now namor like these are all guys who i think the old school villain was they're just bad like they're just doing yeah, it yeah. chaos and now it's nuanced like a and villain layered. with the cause you know they have yes. depth and you mm-hmm. understand and some people may even root for the villain like there was a lot of people in the first movie that rooted for killmonger i was mm-hmm. like killmonger was right i don't know if it's going to be the same for namor but I, I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of people who understand. And so I think that makes the movie um, have a lot more depth, you know, for, for the villain to uh, not just be the bad guy for everyone. Michael B. Jordan, by the way, uh, you know, aside from the fact that Tony has some unspoken problem with him, <laughs> the kill, the kill, Killmonger has like one scene, basically. Yeah. I think, they maybe call, I think they maybe call back to it later, but it's essentially one scene. And it's incredible. And this is one of the reasons why, like you were reading, you said you were heard friends talk about the movie or whatever. And like when there's a movie that I really want to see, no matter what it is, I try to find out nothing at all about it Mm -hmm. until after I've seen it. So I did not know I could have easily stumbled upon like uh, Michael B. Jordan in the credits of one of these, like on IMDb or something. And I, then it would have spoiled it for me. I had no idea he was going to be in the movie at all. And so when he showed up, it was like, it was the surprise that, that the writer would have intended it to be. I think there's so many parts of this that you look at and it's like, I keep coming back to like how impressed I am by the job Ryan Coogler did writing and directing this movie, because like the scene you're talking about at the, in the United Nations, it's just a great scene. Mm-hmm. The way that they yeah. cut back and forth, they're cutting back from the speech to scenes of, uh, of mercenaries trying to steal their stuff and just kind of cutting back and forth until it ends with the uh, uh, Dora Milaje bringing in the mercenaries like on their knees in mm-hmm. the, on the floor of the United Nations um, like a lot of depth to that scene, just perfectly put together. There's some bringing back Killmonger, Killmonger um, creating a villain. Where how do you do this? How do you do this as a writer? I mean, set aside all the other challenges that this guy had. He creates the the protagonist and the antagonist, and they should be allies. And they're yeah. trying to be allies, but they can't. And they end up having to go to war to, with each other. And like the, Tony, the funniest spoiler alert you could give about Black Panther would be that it ends in a tie. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think that, like the, one of the things I thought about throughout the movie, and I hadn't, like I said, I hadn't read anything. I'd only heard, the only thing I'd heard about the movie before I'd seen it was all of the things that we all heard about, are they even going to make another one who like for a couple of years, this was, um, you know, in pop culture, like this mystery over what was, who was going to be the new black Panther. Is there going to be another black Panther whatever? But I just kept thinking like the person who wrote this movie wrote it from the experience that they've gone through because Ryan Coogler and I found out later, like Ryan Coogler and Chadwick Boseman really were, it really was a partnership in this movie. Chadwick Boseman was not just the actor who showed up and played this character. Like he was very involved in defining the character and what would the character do in this situation and things like that. And in this movie, I don't know that there is a main character in this movie. I guess it'd be Shuri. Yeah. But like, I think that what Ryan Coogler did was write his different emotions through different characters. You see Ramonda, for example, going through this in a different way than Shuri. And you see Shuri even at the end where she's sitting on the beach, kind of having these flashbacks of her brother and, and the movie, I'm jumping all over the place, but the movie starts with her not being able to save him. And she carries all this grief and then slammed with more grief when her mom dies. And the movie ends with her sitting on the beach, kind of reminiscing, seeing scenes in her mind of T'Challa. And I don't feel like it is just, okay, I'm better now. Like yeah. that's the end of it. I'm not sad anymore. If that's part of what made this movie sad, but it's also part of what made it really real. If you're an adult and you've gone through grief, like you will really understand the way that that's woven through different characters throughout the story. Absolutely. Um, just to kind of end there so we can move to the next topic. But um, my favorite nugget I learned after the movie is that Ryan Coogler learned how to swim so that he could be directing the underwater parts of the scene um like just being in part of the water like that like you said that's commitment you know his commitment to to making the film through the likeness and the appropriateness of chadwick like that's that's something as an adult like i'm my daughter right now is learning how to swim and and <laughs> i remember um i learned how to swim at technically as a teenager being thrown into a pool like that was kind of my thing like a lot of us you know, in the black community, we didn't go through a lot of swim lessons. There was not like a lot of whole thing. And so I know how hard it probably is for Chad, for uh, Ryan Coogler at what, 40 something years old to, you know, go about that process. But he was committed to to fully get the film, you know, in the likeness of he wanted. So um, just excellent job. Excellent job. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hit the button, Tone. This is bullshit. Time to call out the world's hypocrisies with bullshit. High quality bullshit. World class designer bullshit. To be sure. Bullshit. Presented by Sheets and Giggles. They just say whatever they think will interest the audience or make it appear that they know what they're talking about. And what comes out is bullshit. 
I call bullshit is a weekly segment, Kim. We usually, uh, I'd say most of the time it's something about the Brooklyn Nets and or, <laughs> and or uh, whoever Jim Mercer has called to be his head coach. Um, Sheets and Giggles sponsors I call bullshit. You can go to sheetsgiggles.com slash SA and you can get $230 off their new mattress. No promo code needed. Uh, just go pick out the size that you want for your bed. Put it in the cart. The discount is applied automatically. Go to sheetsgiggles.com slash SA. I'm calling bullshit on uh, Elon Musk and his memo that he sent about Twitter 2.0. He sent this in the middle of the night, subject line, uh, a fork in the road. Very obnoxious. Uh, But he sent it at midnight, which is the time when all great staff emails get sent at work. And uh, basically it was get on board with these long hours and unreasonable expectations or hit the road. Did you read this memo, Cam? Does this sound like I did. you want to work? I did. I did. I read the memo. Um, really, this whole Elon Musk taking over Twitter thing has been exactly what I anticipated it being. Like it's being just a disaster. Yeah, bad. Uh, right. That that I thought it would be a and big this load is, of bullshit. Yeah, it it almost feels like a kid, you know, where you you have the yes or no box that you give someone where he's like, hey, do you want to stay? Or take three months of severance. Let me know you by. You had to click yes. I yes. think you had to you click, click there's yes. There's a button Literally, put an email for yes. To, to stay with the company. Do you um, like me? Yes. Yes. Um, this, it just feels like it's going to end poorly. I, I, I really enjoy Twitter. Like, I know that people have a lot of, you know, this and that about tw- Twitter. I feel like has been a, a very important part of my career as a sports journalist. Yeah. I don't want it to go away. I don't want Elon Elon to, to ruin this. And I feel like he's going down this this path. Uh, and I don't know if there's a return there. I can't imagine what it's like to work for Twitter. Like, it sounds horrible. And this this description of how to work, Tony, we're going to make this our new uh, work policy at Sports Jason too. <laughs> Long hours and unreasonable expectations. Hardcore work, as he likes to say. I'm going to send you an email at midnight tonight. Tom. <laughs> I This actually sounds very reasonable to me if uh, if you have equity in the company. yeah, He's treating it like a startup. We're going to have to work insanely hard to make this work, uh, but we're all going to get rich off it. Great. Yep. But really, it's just he would get rich off it. So, like, why would I want to do this? Right. If I'm Probably fully qualified and capable of working somewhere else, why would I want to do this for him? I just think this isn't going to be here. It's hard to bet against Elon Musk because he succeeds right. a lot. But like Twitter is not here forever. Right. Just like Blockbuster Video wasn't here forever. And even Netflix, you thought no one would ever supplant Netflix for streaming. And there's other choices now. Netflix is not my first choice of stuff to watch. Yeah. Uh, like someone will make another Twitter. In fact, yeah. people are already made. I've read articles. People are already making basically alternate versions of Twitter. They just, none of them have caught on yet, but you know that something will. I mean, we don't use MySpace anymore because something no. else came along. Yeah. It, it makes me wonder, like, like I said, I, I really enjoy Twitter. I'm sure there will be something that comes along that we'll get used to. Um, but Twitter was such a unique space. I'm saying it in past tense, like it's already gone. <laughs> right. <laughs> Twitter is such a unique space for, uh, I, I like I said, for, for sports for sports like it's always felt like a bar like instagram tiktok facebook have never felt the way that twitter is fa- felt in the middle of a big event or a big yes. moment um and so i just feel like 
I just I'm just so sad because I'm seeing him ruin it. And uh, you know, even from the verification things. He wants um, you to help him make those billions, Cam. You paying eight or nine bucks a month to keep your blue check? I'm not paying a dollar. You're not gonna pay Elon Musk no. uh, for you to be able to put content on his no, website? Not a chance. And help him get rich? Really? Not a chance. That's some bullshit too. <laughs> I call bullshit is brought to you by Sheets and Giggles. You can go to sheetsgiggles.com slash SA and you'll get $230 off their new mattress automatically. No promo code needed. These are awesome mattresses, super soft and comfortable. There's almost like this, I, I don't know all the science, but there's almost like this memory foam type top layer to it. Super comfortable. It hugs your butt so well as Tony likes to say, uh-huh. uh, and you'll get $230 off automatically. If you go there through our link, sheetsgiggles.com slash SA. Tone, did you read the interview that Chris Haynes of Bleacher Report did with Kevin Durant? I did. It was good. Yeah. Kevin Durant yeah. let it fly. And mm-hmm. it was, it was pretty spicy. What was your favorite part of it? I think my favorite part was him discussing he how comfortable he felt asking for a trade and the reasons why he asked for the trade. Um, essentially, I, I mean, it felt a little bit hypocritish because this whole experiment was trying to see, okay, if we get two top 10 players and let them handle everything, would that get us to the places that we need to go? Um, so him saying, oh man, I wanted to be pushed or I need, I wanted to be coached. Yeah. You okay the coach. So it's like, if you aren't, if, if you are in lockstep with what's going on, all you had to do was say something. And for him to, it seemed like they went to him and he didn't like what was going on. And it's like, but you created this environment. So what yeah. do we do now? It wasn't, that was the only part of it. It wasn't phony. But it was the only part of it to me that felt off. That felt like he's getting this wrong. Yeah. Because he's living in a mess of kind of really of his own making. So so the quote where he's literally naming his teammates amazing. in the starting lineup. And saying, that's, my, that's my favorite part, Kim. As we know. It, but when you say it's no You want me to read it to you? I before, have it right here. Would yeah, you like when, me to read it? Yeah. When you say it's this is no incredible, you're going to think I'm making this up. You will think yeah. that this quote, if you didn't read the interview, you will think it's not true that Kevin Durant said this, but it is. He says, look at our starting lineup. Edmund Sumner, Royce O'Neal, Joe Harris, Nick Claxton, and me. It's not disrespect. Parentheses, here comes something disrespectful. <laughs> but what are you expecting from that group? <laughs> That's the quote. That's a real thing that he said in an interview. That's like, like you said, and I true. Had to double check, especially in Elon Musk's version of Twitter. You yes. know, there's there's, mm-hmm. there's there's checks out here going everywhere. There's fake stuff going out. That is a wild quote to say and then have to go back into the locker room or on the court the next day. What's up, Nick? How you doing, Edmund? <laughs> I mean, he's right. It's not it's it's true it's, what he says. It, and, and, and the point he's making is re, is realistic. Like, be realistic about what we've got. Don't don't think right. this team's going to win a title with <laughs> these four guys and me. That's the one thing I've always appreciated about KD. Like, for better or for worse, he's going to tell you exactly how he feels. Mm-hmm. And there's not an athlete. We talk about Twitter. There's not an athlete who loves Twitter and and, and commenting like a Twitter like a yeah. Twitter user 
in his regular yeah. life more than Kevin Durant. Like, thir- what does he make? $35, $40 million. He comments mm-hmm. like he's literally, you know, one of the du- one of us, you know, just hanging out, just talking ball. Like, come on, man. You see me out here with, with yeah. Nick and Edmund. Like, come on. Like, but, there's, yeah. certain, there's certain things you just don't say out loud, at least for their perspective. I think that's behind closed doors. You you might say, hey, like, come on, man. Y'all really can't expect me to win with this. I like him saying what he thinks. I like him saying what he thinks. I mean, that's that's cool, but it's also confusing because it's like, okay, you're complaining about the players. Why'd you leave Golden State? Yeah. (laughs) So I I don't I don't I think the biggest frustration for fans. with Well, he clearly thought this was going to go a different way, Tone. I mean, he had a different vision of what this was. I agree, but you had something good there. Yeah. Yeah. So my whole thing is the biggest frustration for me, and I, I think I'm speaking for a lot of fans, is what do you want? Yeah. Like, really, what do you want? I if think you I want to think... be the, 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 look, I'm just out here to get buckets, Carmelo right. type guy. Yeah. We, okay, cool. Then be that. If you want to be winner guy, okay, then be yeah. that. But you had, he's had both situations. And situations that was under his control. Mm-hmm. He left Oklahoma City to go to uh, Golden State. He left Golden State to be a part of whatever this is with Kyrie at Brooklyn. So these are all his choices. And for him to not take responsibility in that piece, like, hey, this is this is what I wanted, but I got to make it work. Like for him to not even hint that he's on that path of self, you know, uh, 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 awareness yeah awareness thanks yep it was very disappointing as open as you know we think he is yeah that's that's an excellent point um because i think one of kd's what we love about him is his honesty maybe one of his flaws as well because i think that he cares so much about perception that i think it, it impacts his decisions and how he goes about them and so you mentioned the decision to leave golden state i think he's been very clear that he left there even if he hasn't quote-unquote said it because he wants to be the guy and and be the reason why you win a championship right like i think he had that quote maybe eight ten years ago in sports illustrated where he's talking about being second i'm tired of being second i'm tired of being the second best player in the league i'm tired of being second i've been second my whole life second draft so he he wants that lebron like credit Right. Because like wherever LeBron goes, he can switch teams. All It's going to be yeah. LeBron won that title. Yes, KD wants it. And when he got to Golden State, he got those titles and he didn't feel satisfied because of Steph. Ste- Steph won you those titles. Right. And you just joined the joined the bandwagon of a team that was already good. And so I think it's a flaw of his. But Tony, I think that's probably the reason why he left. And now he's getting to Brooklyn where he wants to be the guy. The reason why. And he's like, dang, this is harder than I thought. Give me some help. You know, not not superstar help. Not not like a guy that's going to like be better than me. That's very specific. Below me, just like like second tier star help. <laughs> like like not Edmund Sumner. Yeah, like yeah. Come on, can, can imagine go, going not LeBron into, either though. into the meetings like, hey, I need some help. Look, but don't get an all star. Yeah, all right. But a, maybe a, a little spot. bit. I'm sure he walks, he walks in there with, the, with ESPN's yeah. like preseason top 100 rankings. And he's like, all right, anyone from this 40, section right? of the list. <laughs> this is this is where you work. Yes. 11 exactly. through 40. And then I'm looking at him like, what are you saying? What are you talking about? <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, it's just, look, every person has the right to sabotage their own careers. 
I will say that. He's had a great like, career, Tony. He's had but, a great career. But I mean, the way it's ending, look, he's not going to get any younger. He's not going to get any healthier, you know, than, than than what he is. Injuries just don't go away. The once you pile them up, they become can I manage them going forward? So it doesn't look good, particularly good for Kevin Durant. And here's my thing, too. People saw LeBron and thought they could be LeBron until they realized it's hard to be LeBron, yeah. right? Like, uh, yeah. LeBron realized it's hard. Yeah, to be LeBron, LeBron is hard. It's hard like, putting you, a team together. When yeah, you they're, don't they're trust, doing that right now. When you don't trust other people in an organization to help you get to the places that you want to go, I don't see how 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 do you how do you live that way? How do you want to be a part of coaching decisions, a part of managerial decisions, but on top of be the best player that you can be? It's impossible. That's why this, that's why Steph Curry and the Warriors work so well. He is not high maintenance. He works hard to be excellent, and then he works with the coaching and works with the management to develop the situation that's best served for everybody. That's what I think players don't get, yeah. at least a part of this current generation. That is not, of course, basketball leans towards if you are the best player or top ten player, you're going to win most likely. Right. But to get to the ultimate goal of consistent championship contending. That takes a whole organization to help you with that. And I think people thought LeBron was just doing it. And no, there was a lot of people around him, despite what LeBron thought, was making decisions to help LeBron win as well. Yeah. Seems like all the stars are micromanagers. That's that's essentially what they what they want to do. Like even in the NBA, I mean NFL space, you see Aaron Rodgers is a terrible GM, but he feels like yep. he deserves that that privilege to, to do that. And that's why Randall Cobb will play to the Packers. So he's 45 years old. That's hard. though. <laughs> that's hard though, Cam. It because is like, you look at like LeBron and Aaron Rodgers and Kevin Durant, like player empowerment. You don't just get handed that, right? You have to earn it. And who wouldn't want that? Who right. wouldn't by nature want control over the place they work and to yeah. be in charge of their bosses, basically, rather yeah. than being told what to do, by people in these cases that have a lot of expertise. I mean, the best years of LeBron's career were when he was, when Pat Riley was building the team around him and Eric Spolstra was demanding a certain style of play out of him. He has never been as good as he was those years. Right. But he's, mm-hmm. but how do you stifle that? How do you say I've, I've risen to this level where I'm at the very top, whether it's Aaron Rodgers, LeBron James, whatever, and people will give me that power to have me in their building. I, it's hard not to take it. Yeah, it's hard to say. I've I've gotten to the point where I deserve it, and right. I'm going to decline it and be subservient to management, to a GM, to a coach, whatever. Cam Wolf did it. <laughs> Cam Wolf, a saint of a man, did it. Yes, <laughs> right. But but but, but in that token, I'm pro I'm pro player empowerment, and so I want them to have the ability to until James Harden gets it. <laughs> but but I think that you got to. <laughs> I think you gotta, I think you got to realize that. Like you said, the responsibility that comes with it. And essentially, you're taking on two jobs. So you've got to take the criticism of two jobs, too. You know, if your team's not functioning the way you want it to do, it's not built that way. You got to look at yourself like KD's calling all these dudes out. But, you you know, the way these things work, a lot of these teams, they team up. They figure out who their teammates are going to be. You know, if you're LeBron, your agency signs all the players that you know you get them to go directly to your team and so you're creating that and so if you like for the lakers for example lebron deserves just as much if not the most amount of uh blame for the fact that they've been a bad team oh absolutely. Absolutely. He absolutely built it 
You know, you, you fire the GM, you fire the coach. That doesn't change the fact that these are the guys who have control. And so I think KD has to look himself in the mirror. And you could fire Steve Nash all you want and say this and that. At the end of the day, if you're going to take on the responsibility, if you're going to vouch for Kyrie and say, hey, he's the guy that we want to – then you take it. You take all of this with it. You take all of this with it, and that, that's on you. Cam, would you like to hear the news we didn't get to today? Yeah. Are you familiar with Patrick Beverly? Yes, very much so. Who doesn't enjoy watching Patrick Beverly? Yes. <laughs> you, you're aware, Pat. huh? Westside Pat. Yes. Yeah. I don't know that I want to hang out with Patrick Beverly, but I like watching and listening to Patrick Beverly. Uh, you're aware he has a history with with uh, Russell Westbrook. I'm yes. Sure. Yes. And for those who don't know, he injured Russell Westbrook's knee while lunging yeah. at him for a steal when Russell Westbrook yeah. was trying to call timeout or about to call timeout. Yep. Uh, Pat Bev says on his podcast, which is very creatively named the Pat Bev podcast. <laughs> maybe we should have named it that. Should we just have named our podcast the Jason and Russ podcast, Tom? It would have worked. People get hung up on adjacent. And yeah. Like how to spell it. And is it a playoff my name, which it's not. I'm not that clever. Should we just have named it the Jason and Russ show? I think it would have worked. I mean, people want to put, make sure, you know, when you're making these hot news, you know, go to the Jason and Russ podcast instead of okay. the sports adjacent podcast. But In your yeah. mind, every week of this is just the Tony show. Yes. Uh, so Pat Bev says on the Pat Bev podcast that an OKC ball boy threatened to kill him over this, that he came back. Wow. Uh, I think while playing for Houston, came back to OKC for a game after that had happened, after Russell Westbrook tore his meniscus, I believe. And uh, there was heavy police presence there because there had been a threat on Patrick Beverly's life. He was not aware of this. He was surprised by this when he got there. Um, and uh, in typical Pat Bev style, here's what he said when he was asked if he was scared. And now, Tony Gill reads... Fellas, what's going on? Cam Wolf, this is Tony Gill with glasses. How you doing? I'm good. How you feeling? Cam, Cam do you play uh, pretend games with Layla? Yes. Like where she pretends to be uh, a character, you know, Elsa or Anna, whatever. What are you getting this at, Leisure? This is what he makes us do here where he puts on his wife's glasses and pretends that Tony Gill with glasses is a different person. I mean, he Who's, does look like a different guy. It, both – Tony Gill I'm and Tony Gill with glasses. What being. they have in common is neither of them reads particularly well. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I'm an excellent scholar. You know, Tony Gill with glasses back at it again. Sports Adjacent Podcast. All right. This is Patrick <laughs> Beverly on whether he was scared when a person allegedly threatened to kill him. <clears throat> bleep no. I wish I would have ran into his bleep. I would have beat the bleep out of him. <laughs> of course of course yes of course. and i believe him i do i, believe him. I do T hey tone a quick uh lakers check-in tone is fascinated by the uh by the lakers disaster uh as of this recording they are three and ten only uh detroit and houston are worse and LeBron's fault. you know tanking would be great for them 
except that they they uh, have a pick swap with the Pelicans because of the Anthony Davis trades. So it's really not going to help them that much. Unprotected. <laughs> and and by the way, the, the, as we're recording, the Pelicans crushing the Bulls right now with no Zion. So they're going to get Victor Wimignana and Zion and have Brandon Ingram and have CJ. <laughs> It's about time something good happens in New Orleans, right? <laughs> Tone, you know how you have told us before that uh, nothing is going to stop you or get in the way. Like any, you will drop any activity if you have to uh, go to the bathroom. Yes, that's your standing policy. Like you would, you would leave in the middle of anything. Yeah. in the middle of your own wedding, if you had to. This is just going to have to wait. I got to go. Yeah, an alleged thief in Mexico City would advise you otherwise. After allegedly holding up a bus with a fake gun and stealing eight cell phones. Uh, the, uh, the the accused thief had to uh, make a number two while he was on the run. Wow. Police tracked him using surveillance cameras as he ducked into a shopping center nearby and to use the bathroom. And so they follow him in. They know exactly where he is. They kick open the door and find him there. He's sitting there. You know, he's got one of... A phone. There's a there's a photo of this that I'm gonna have to show you guys. It's amazing. It's 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 censored, so you won't be totally shocked. Uh, but the look on this guy's face when he gets caught uh, is exactly what you're picturing. Here it is. He's <laughs> wearing a beautiful bulls hat. There. He's bare. He's bare butt too, man. This dude. Yeah. This dude is reckless. Oh yeah. <laughs> bare butt in the public restaurant. restaurant. His face is amazing. <laughs> so he. That's how he's caught. Oh, wow. He held up a bus, and uh, they caught him on the crapper. Man, I wonder where he's going to where he's gonna plea. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that photo. <laughs> I can make my verdict off that photo. Uh, Cam, are you familiar with Pete Davidson? Uh, yes, I am. This guy is unstoppable, man. Man, it's amazing what you can do when, uh, you know, you got the confidence of a man with, you know, that's right, Tone. He is, he, he's now dating Emily Ratajkowski. Yeah, man. So an he's extremely successful model and actress, freshly divorced. Uh, he, he All he has done is date actresses and models. Yeah. yeah. He's, he, this guy uh, splits with Kim Kardashian. I don't know who broke up with who. I don't follow this closely enough. Do we know? I can't tell It had to be her breaking up with him, right? It had to be. Yeah, I mean, I I'm know. I'm perpetually in disbelief over this, Kim. Yeah. He, About Pete Davidson, right? Yes, all of it. Yeah. yeah. And he's funny. I like him. I'm about to say, he has to have traits that we just don't know about, you know. Well, as Tony oh, says, there's one that we do know about. <laughs> there are rumors. Yeah. <laughs> and finally, Kim, uh, when you hear a good song, so when a song comes on, uh, the radio or or your iPhone or whatever that you like, do you just kind of immediately start nodding your head to it? Yeah, absolutely. That's the right answer for this story. Thank you. Uh, so do rats. Scientists at the University of Tokyo put wi tiny wireless headphones on 20 rats and observed them bobbing to the beat in time of Sonata for Two Pianos by Mozart. Wow. They wow. also uh, tested out... Um, Born This Way by Lady Gaga, Another One Bites the Dust by Queen, Beat It by Michael Jackson, and Sugar by Maroon 5. Uh, so rats, What one of the things they found, I don't really know why we need to know this, but 
I mean, apparently there's examples of this all over TikTok. So maybe somebody needed from the scientific community yeah. needed to to find, validate whether this was true for us. But uh, rats and humans display beat synchronization. So like with your head nodding to the beat, most clearly at 120 to 140 beats per minute. Wow. They That's like the news. Jamming. They like it jamming. <laughs> they do. They do. And they probably would like more songs. You know, if you're a rat and you've only heard five songs, you probably think those are the five best songs ever. But imagine right. you start hearing some different songs. I still gotta find that unsettling though. This I don't know. It's rats. It's weird. That they're just that the rats uh are have like a human quality or something we think yeah. of as a human quality. Yeah, that's weird. That's Were weird. you freaked out by Ratatouille? That's the whole basis of the movie, is that the rats like kind of live like little people. Yeah. Cartoon rats are different, like real ones. Yeah, that. <laughs> you just that. Why does that unsettle you? Like, you think they're gonna like, uh, like band together against us? It feels or? like they can coordinate. Okay, all right, yeah. But they're still rats. It's not like it's alligators doing it. Yeah, still, man. There's too many of them. I don't want them right. coordinating. Well, we'll keep an eye on that. Okay. Thank you to Cam Wolf for joining us. We really yeah. appreciate having you in as guest co-host. Cam, you were fantastic as always. Absolutely, we had some fun. Uh, Sports Adjacent is brought to you by Sheets and Giggles. Uh, you can go to sheetsgiggles.com slash SA and get $230 off their new mattress. Go on there now. You're going to love it. Automatic discount. No promo code needed. Just go to sheetsgiggles.com slash SA. Sports Adjacent is also brought to you by BetMGM. You can download the BetMGM app or go to betmgm.com and use our promo code ADJACENT200. And if you bet $10 on any NFL game, you automatically win an extra $200 in future bets if either team scores a touchdown, you can also bet NBA, NHL, player props, parlays, whatever you want. Uh, just go to uh, BetMGM or download the BetMGM app. Use our promo code ADJACENT200. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Uh, one more question before we get out of here, Tone. Why do you hate Michael Jordan? Can, I mean, Michael B. Jordan. Why, what, what's your issue yeah, with him? Can you give us know. this in like 30 seconds? Yeah. Uh, I don't his- want to keep for a whole nother segment just yeah his teeth are too big he doesn't emote well so when he's trying to act all you get is teeth and it's like i it doesn't make him believable to me i went through my head of seven different reasons why you could have disliked michael b jordan and the teeth never <laughs> never came to mind now watch watch when next thing you watch with michael b jordan <laughs> watch he does not emote well i I knew it was going to be something weird, and I still didn't know it was going to be that. Yeah. Cam, thank you so much for putting up with this nonsense. Thank you for being part of the show. We loved having you. All the best. I hope I see you at a Bears game this season. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening to Sports Adjacent with Jason Leisure and Russell Dorsey. Be sure to download, subscribe, and give the podcast five stars. You can check out the latest episode of Sports Adjacent on all digital streaming platforms. I'm very much adjacent. For a couple hours, I thought I was hood. But then all that happened, I was like, you know what, James? You adjacent to the mother Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.